afraid of failure because I was just on this winning streak, you know, with my grades and stuff yeah. like that, that I didn't want anybody to know I was flawed. And so if I suddenly wanted to say, yeah, I'm going to get into the Bolshoi Ballet Academy in Moscow after everyone's told me I literally had negative 50% chance of getting in anywhere, um, I, I was going to be laughed at. I wasn't sharing it. And uh, this is this is something that I think a lot of people do, you know, or they don't even allow themselves to dream because it, it's just too scary. It's too far fetched. and it can create a lot of anxiety because then suddenly you start thinking of the how. Like, I would have never known that path anyway, yet it's still manifested. So. Everyone is a stranger until you know their story. The Power of Good Intentions is a show about people, their stories, challenges they faced, and how they overcame them. This show is here to remind you that there is always a path forward and that good things happen to people who have a good heart. I am Aliu Sidibe, and I am your host. Hey, this is Aliu, and thank you so much for listening. I have two quick announcements before we start the show today. Uh, first is that I created a Facebook group where you get the chance to connect with the others and meet people who are also on the journey. I think that in times like this, it is very, very important to stay connected with people who are positive and people who believe in better tomorrows. And this is what I am trying to do here with this podcast. So if you would like to join the group, you can go to facebook.com slash groups slash the power of good intentions. And this is a way to connect with other people from the community, other people who have good intentions, obviously, and positive uh, vibes. And sometimes next week, I am planning to have a Zoom video call, something along those lines to help everyone connect with each other and just share some of our thoughts with times like this. The second announcement I would like to make is I got a message from a community member who called in and shared some of her thoughts from the previous episode. So please stay tuned at the end of the show. I'll be sharing what she had to say. And last but not least, I hope that everyone is staying safe and healthy. In times like this, it is very, very important to take care of yourself and your mental health. So please take some time to meditate and connect with the others and people around you. Social distancing does not mean that you cannot stay in touch by via the phone call or text messages. So take care of yourself and thank you. There is this belief in our culture that chasing your dreams is supposed to be this fancy and glamorous journey. A journey where we encounter success after success and that everything just works out fine. But this cannot be further from the truth. In reality, you know, chasing your dreams is a scary and lonely pursuit. Today we go on the other side of the ocean with Maya McKeever, who is coming to us live from London. We will go through one hell of a ride by diving into her journey to becoming a ballet dancer. Maya faced a lot, and when I say a lot, I really mean it. She faced a lot of challenges by pursuing her passion and what she really wanted her life to be like. We get the chance to learn more about the world of ballet and more importantly, what it means to go after what you believe in. Maya shares her challenges, the principles that helped her get through where she is today, 
as well as what does a successful life means to her. So without further ado, Maya, thank you so much for being with me today on the show. Thank you. <laughs> It's my pleasure to be here. Thanks for reaching out. Of course. First, to get started, can you please take us through the environment in which you grew up and what were some of the early beliefs that you had in your life? Yeah. So I had a very privileged childhood. For anyone who's grown up in Hong Kong, you know how it is. Um, the world's at your fingertips, you know, and my parents were always well off. My dad, you know, he's a banker and my mom stayed at home. So she raised me um, and my other two siblings. So I wasn't neglected at all. And I had, yeah, really, really privileged upbringing. So I grew up in a local Chinese school first. And the environment there is very tense and disciplined so they follow the traditional chinese school system meaning that everything you do is based on a kind of memorization type of um syllabus so you would have to just memorize things and then you're just like a copy and paste machine basically so you're not really encouraged to branch out and think creatively and think outside the box and i actually really thrived in this environment funnily enough um i was very competitive so this is always kind of the thing that's always driven me was the need to be the best and that has really changed over the years but when I was young that's what I identified with and this is kind of where it all stemmed from it was from being in local school and actually finding the educational system quite easy um, so I was kind of you know thriving through local Chinese school and pretty much on top of all my studies you know I was really good at sport and all of these things my ego was just massive at the time because of all of these achievements and this is where I first learned to basically attach my identity and my self-worth to the number of achievements I had, you know, whether that was on my report card or the amount of times I was called up on stage. Um, and then I went to a international school in Hong Kong, meaning that I studied under the international baccalaureate system, which is completely polar opposite to the Chinese schooling system. What was the main difference between the two? It was very competitive. So Chinese school was very competitive in the sense where it was very you know, clear cut what you needed to do. If you had an A, you were a good student and therefore people respected you. Whereas international school, there were much more, yeah, there was a lot more boxes to tick. You know, you had to be good looking, but you also had to be funny, but you also had to really care about your grades, but you also had to really care about extracurriculars, but you also had to go out at night and you had to do all these things in order to be considered cool. And That was my biggest mission at school, unfortunately, when I first went. I just wanted to be loved and accepted and part of the gang. So <laughs> that's where my attention was at that time in my life. So I did a lot of things. I, I became, you know, a bully and then I became the bullied and then I became the nerd and then I became the shy one and then I became the partier and then I became the really focused dancer, you know, and so I adopted all of these roles for myself and I really meandered through these different identities very early on in my life that I really truly believe has created who I am today because I was able to live so many lives so early on and kind of break past those molds over and over again because I think what high school kids struggle with most and I know this is what I struggled with most actually the middle school kids is is the need to be defined you know the need to kind of fit into a certain label or a yeah. certain mold and as soon as you're attached to that you know there's no way out because all of your friends around you already you know label you as the you know the dumb one 
And that's a really hard one for a lot of people to break. I'm very lucky that I was never perceived in that light. Um, But I know a lot of people who were told that they were stupid, essentially, and lived accordingly to that label for the rest of their, you know, high school life and now have only just broken out of it because they've changed their environment, you know. I really love the fact that, you know, you bring that up and I'm happy uh, that you talk about how your environment can really shape your life. And one thing that I kind of find fascinating with your life is that you were born and raised in a traditional Chinese household, you know, went to the traditional Chinese school yeah. and your dad was a banker, your mom was a stay-at-home mom. And so it seems like from the beginning of your life, you had expectation that, that came with that because uh, yeah. it's not only about being born in a wealthy household, but it's like you, you had a path to follow. I'm assuming your parents wanted you to like go to university and follow that type of narrative in your life. But instead, you kind of broke away from that and chose to follow your passion, which was ballet. And so can you please touch upon that and, you know, how you were able to do that and evolve to follow your passion? Yeah, yeah. So I guess this is kind of the picture I was trying to paint with my upbringing. You know, I was so privileged and yet within a privileged environment comes a lot of pressure and expectations because you take out the need to survive every day. You know, the need to find a roof, you know, to cover your head and food to put on the plate. And suddenly there are all these expectations that are placed on you that you must fulfill. Um, And I just always knew this is the funniest thing that even even while, you know, my grades were great and I was cruising through school, I just never, ever saw myself at university. And they started speaking to us about university when we were like 13. And I remember just kind of sitting there and thinking, yeah, but I'm not going to go anyway. Even though I didn't know at that time that it was going to be ballet that I was going to pursue, I just knew deep down that it was going to be something and else and that I was just going What to- was the reason why you were thinking this? Sorry? Why? What, what was the reason why you were thinking this? Um, I, I think I always knew I thought very differently. Um, and this made me feel like very much an outsider at school. And even though, so I, even though I was quite good at understanding people and understanding how to shift my mold accordingly to who I was spending my time with, I still very much felt like I was on the outside. So I never really felt connected to people in my year the same way they all felt connected to each other. But at the same time, I felt this huge kind of imposter syndrome where I was like, well, who do I think I am? Do you think I'm better than all these people? Because I I genuinely didn't. But I just, in my mind, I set myself apart because people would say things and in my head, I'm like, that's so obviously not true. Or, you know, from where I was standing, it seemed to be not true that before I developed a filter, um, this is kind of how I created my name as a bully quite young because I would just say to people flat out, like, no, of course not. Like, it was just logical to me. I was like, guys, this is, this is what it is. Like, why are you thinking this way? And it is this kind of sheep mentality, you know, the employee mentality that they drill into you at school, especially at Chinese school that I just, I just knew I had to go, go against. And so the thing is with ballet, I was good at school, right? We've established that. And I was terrible at ballet. I really was. And a lot of people now, um, this is something else I guess we'll touch on later, but a lot of people now are, 
are reluctant to admit that, you know, I probably came from somewhere where I wasn't that great because everybody just wants to see the success. And they're like, no, but you've always been great. And I'm like, no, <laughs> genuinely ballet, I was not great at. So I wasn't, I wasn't flexible. I yeah. didn't have the technique. In ballet, there is a very much one size fits all situation. And if you don't take off the boxes at a very young age, they basically put you to the side and they're like, okay, we're not going to spend any time on her. And that, I was that girl. And I tried so hard. I really did because it was the one thing I wasn't good at in my competitive nature. So yeah, my passion for ballet was driven by competition initially. And eventually it developed into a passion for the actual art form. But it was just because I was like, I need to be good at this. So I just developed this tunnel vision where, you know, the people around me kept telling me, you can't do this. Like my teachers. And what about your parents? What were they telling you during that time? Were they kind of okay with you pursuing ballet, despite the fact that you weren't that good at it? Not initially. So I did, there was quite, quite a lot of backlash um, when I finally decided to pursue it full on. Because the thing is, I would come home every single day from ballet, bowling my eyes out because I was, you know, at the bottom of the class, all my friends were moving up the levels and I wasn't, and I was the one who, you know, was the first one in the studio, the last one to leave. I was always there on time. I was always trying so hard and yet nothing was working. And yeah. of course, this is before I learned the art of working smart and not hard. But yeah, so it really took a toll on my ego. And of course, like my parents were like, well, why are you doing it? You're so unhappy. Why are you doing it? So they just couldn't understand. But it was, it's just, it was that pull inside of me that was like, you have to keep going. And that was driven mainly at that time by the fact that I just couldn't let those other people win. I just, I had to prove them wrong. And I don't work by this principle anymore, but back then that's what really drove me. And I do think there's a time and place for that. You know, a lot of people achieve amazing things, you know, when they're running off that fuel to just prove others wrong. It's not the best place to run it from, but it does work. So I was doing that. I was like, nope, can't let them learn. I got to keep going. Yeah. Um, and it did make me quite miserable for a while, but slowly the results started to show. And then, then you kind of, you get this high off of these achievements where you're like, I told you I can do it, you know, and you're so smug. And so you just keep going. And then I slowly, slowly, slowly really started seeing, seeing results and the people around me started to recognize those results as well. And I was just so uninterested at school at that point that I was like, well, I'm putting all this energy into ballet. I might as well put more into it you know, while I can. And when I was 15, I went to New York for the first time and I went to the summer school and it was the first time I danced for two weeks straight because up until then I was only dancing like three, four times a week after school, which isn't that much, if, especially if you want to become a professional. So it was my first experience being out in New York on my own, 15 years old, two weeks straight of ballet and I just fell in love. And I was like, this is This is what I and want to do. So I'm assuming that while you were in New York, a lot of your peers were kind of starting to apply for university and things like that. Was that kind of, you know, putting pressure on you? The fact that yeah. you were doing something differently from other people? They were, a lot of them were going off to boarding schools at that time. Because in Hong Kong, when you get to that 15, 16, you go off to a boarding school or yeah. you stay. Um, there's no kind of other way around it. You do that. Um, and so either way, I was going to go to boarding school. And the thing is, I got into those boarding schools that I applied to because as a safety net, I applied to all these boarding schools and I got in and I was just, I don't want to go. I really don't. I can't see myself doing my A-levels. I can't see myself doing exams. It just didn't sit right. So 
So I was determined to make this happen no matter what. And so that summer I got into a couple summer schools because they're quite easy to get into because they just want your money. Um, so I got into this summer school in Moscow. And it was funny because I always wanted to study in Russia. And that was an intention I had set when I first decided I was going to do ballet. Um, even before I decided I wanted, I wanted to do it professionally. When I was 15, I was like, okay, Russia. Like I used to watch these documentaries in my room. I spent a lot of time alone. And this is really important too for anyone, you know, who wants to achieve anything. Spend, spend a lot of time alone because you're going to need that time to really create a concrete vision of what you want. Because I would be watching these documentaries. I'd be learning Russian in my free time. It was like, it was like I knew it was going to happen. Yeah, I just couldn't see it happening yet because it seems so far-fetched. Russia is where, you know, the best of the best go to train. And here I was at the bottom of my local ballet school in Hong Kong, um, told by everybody I didn't have a chance. So who was I to think I was going to go there? Yeah. Um, but in the end, they came to Hong Kong to audition for the summer school. And I went in with no expectations, you know, because I was like, well, I'm not going to get in. And I got in, which was great. So I ended up going to that summer school mm -hmm. after a long year of trying to get into like hundreds of other ballet schools it was the one I least expected because it was over a two-week period so the beauty of that was that they could see my work ethic and that was something that always frustrated me because in a video they can only see you for what you are you know in that moment that you were filming yeah. maybe it was a bad day maybe you were you know maybe that angle makes you look shorter than you are um and I always really wanted people to see me live but of course like we couldn't afford to fly me over all the time so when I had this live two-week, basically, audition period, I could show my work ethic. I could show the way I was improving every single day. I could show the way I took, you know, time out of my own day after all the classes to stay behind and stretch. And I was always in the studio. And if I wasn't in the studio, I was stretching in my own time. I was very tunnel vision. Well, I mean, it looks like everything ended up turning out for, for the best because you went from being the bottom of your class to then having to audition in Hong Kong when that school from Russia came. Yeah. And then you got selected to go there. And so at the end of the summer school, how did, does it work? Did you end up getting kind of a return offer? Did you win? And how did you feel after that? So I did it. And the craziest thing was nobody thought I would. And I came back to Hong Kong, you know, just like, in shock like I didn't get into any of these ballet schools and yet the one I got into was the one I actually wanted most yeah I never actually said I wanted to get in because I was so fearful of being laughed at you know and this is something that only very recently I've broken through as as a kid um and this developed very much you know in my early years of being such a high achiever at school, I was so afraid of failure because I was just on this winning streak, you know, with my grades and stuff yeah. like that, that I didn't want anybody to know I was flawed. And so if I suddenly wanted to say, yeah, I'm going to get into the Bolshoi Ballet Academy in Moscow after everyone's told me I literally had negative 50% chance of getting in anywhere, um, I, I was going to be laughed at. I wasn't sharing it. And uh, this, is, this is something that I think a lot of people do you know, or they don't even allow themselves to dream because it, it's just too scary, it's too far-fetched and it can create a lot of anxiety because then suddenly you start thinking of the how. Like, I would have never known that path anyway, yet it's still yeah. manifested. So this is something that we all have to remind ourselves, like, 
the how will happen either way. The way you get there is going to happen, but you know that as long as you have a B to get to that you're setting the intention for, yeah, you will always find your way from A. You know, and that this is something that's become so clear to me in retrospect every single time. I love the fact that you share this, and I, I completely agree. You know, I think sharing your dreams uh, is scary because it's it means opening yourself up for judgment it means being vulnerable and showing your your fears and the fact that you may not succeed is you know scary because people may laugh at you and one thing i I really 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 want you to share now is how did you kind of break away from that fear of you know telling yourself that despite the fact that you may not be doing what other people are doing and you are kind of on your own journey to self-discovery and growth you you still found a way to still pursue your passion you know as you said even though you were not sharing it but you were maintaining that vision and going for your goals yeah so this is something that really really develops over time it's not something that happens overnight or at least for me it wasn't and with my ballet journey I had slowly started to develop that identity for myself as the ballet dancer. So at school, they did know me as the ballet dancer. And so I kind of clung on to that identity. And I was like, well, they know me as this now. So it's kind of what I was talking about earlier. So I kind of kept going with that. And then because of my, you know, inability to fail, I just kind of kept going even when I didn't want to. And then eventually it did develop into a passion. So it all kind of worked out. Um, but to make that proclamation and say, I'm going to do ballet, wasn't even the scary part. It was getting into the details because saying you can, you know, you want to do anything is easy, but how you're going to do it is the hard part. And I used to get oh, hated it when anyone sat me down and was like, okay, so what's the plan? Whenever anyone asks me what's the plan, I'm just like, don't, because I, it's just going to happen. I just work on a day-to-day basis. I, I, I live off my intuition and that's how I make decisions. And as soon as anyone tries to put that in a box and it's like, what's the plan? I freak out. Um, so that was where I was really afraid of opening up um, about what the plan was because I didn't have a plan. And so I knew how silly it sounded. And of course, like 15 year old girl, you know, saying to everyone, I'm going to be a ballerina. And my plan is to get into the best ballet school in the world, even though I have no chance whatsoever. It it sounds silly. It really does. And I I knew that. And I think I was so hyper aware of the way people perceived me that it really kept me very paralyzed for a long time. Oh my God. Like I'm, I'm remembering them now. And I remember the things I used to say to myself. I'd be like, no, as if you can do that. And then I go into this whole scenario in my head where I'd literally illustrate the entire thing going so wrong to the point where it felt too real, then I'd just be like, no, okay, it's never happening because all of this is going to happen. And so a lot of people do that nowadays. And with what I do now with my life, it's very much the same thing where you have to be open about what you're doing. Like for me, with what I do with ballet, with what I do with my online business, like it's something that I have to be open with with the world. And that was a really hard thing for me to break through because I learned how to shrink myself um, when it came to ballet because after after Moscow and after you know a lot of the kind of I don't want to say mental abuse that's such a negative thing but a lot of the criticisms that I got back in Hong Kong um, I did have a lot of harsh 
crit critics <laughs> back then, it really started to resonate with me. And so I went from this kind of, yeah, like, let's kind of do whatever and I'm going to dream big kind of young girl into this small shell of a human who kept shrinking. And that was after you got everything you wanted. So it's like you kind of reached, I guess, the peak and you, you, you had everything you wanted. And now it seems like everything is kind of starting to go down and decline. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was a major decline for me um, because I got the thing I wanted and yet I did not know how to find fulfillment within myself. Therefore, I was still looking for that fulfillment outside of me. And Moscow wasn't going to give me that highly competitive environment. And I knew that my upbringing had set me up for that. Um, but I don't think I was quite ready internally to stand with both feet on the ground and to really know who I was um, and to not change for others. So I really did lose myself um, when I was there. And I don't blame Moscow. I don't blame the school. But it was just me within that consciousness at the time. I just did not know who I was. I really didn't. And I had this whole identity of me being a ballet dancer. And yet, you know, again, I was placed at the bottom of the class. So it was like, you go on this high and you're like, oh, I'm the best because I got into the school, but now I'm at the bottom of again, you have to work your way up. So I was humbled many times over and over. Um, and I would work really hard, but I wouldn't work smart. So I just exhaust myself over and over again. And in ballet, there is this mentality that's very, um, very toxic, where you're taught to become a martyr. So the more you struggle, you know, the more people respect you. And, you know, almost the less you succeed, but the more you work hard, the more people respect you. And I remember my friends and I used to be telling each other about all these injuries and sicknesses we had, and it would become like a competition. <laughs> and you, you thrive off of that because you're like, well, at least I have something to compete with. You know, it's like, yeah, I'm more sick than you, but I still went to class today. Um, so it was, yeah, it's just like talking about it now. It's funny, but it really stuck with me because even after I left Moscow and I moved to London after that, and when I moved to London, I basically had to figure it out for myself. Um, my parents moved from Hong Kong to Ireland at that time. Um, for job reasons and I was back in Ireland after leaving Moscow because I decided I couldn't see my career flourishing there and I just knew again gut instincts I was like I have to go and this was a hard decision because if I had been so attached to that name I would have stayed there forever and this is what happens to a lot of people me out of all people should have stayed longer because most people start professional ballet training at around 9 or 10 and I didn't start until I was 16 and up until I was 16, I was only getting a couple of hours a week. And I, I developed all the wrong muscles because I basically was working so hard, I was working my body wrong. And in ballet, you have to work yourself in a very specific way from a very young age. And if you work it wrong, then you develop all the wrong muscles. And so I had a lot to catch up on. I had a lot of unlearning to do and relearning. And ballet is so beautiful in the sense where it is the perfect analogy to life like everything I know now in terms of mindset is the same unlearn to relearn to unlearn every single time and if you just keep that flow going like things just do you know roll over into the next thing um and you're always growing that way but yeah so I I, I left after over a year because my teacher she really liked me and I was really blessed and she did see a lot of potential in me and in the end I was one of the best in my class um, but it just wasn't enough. And for what they want in Russia, like I had to get real with myself and I had to sit myself down and be like, okay, yes, you have potential, but do you, do you really think that you can get a job here? Because they're looking for, firstly, Russian by blood. 
secondly long long legs um which i didn't have thirdly very very skinny and i wasn't able to keep that up at a healthy in a healthy way and i just didn't think it was worth it and fourthly it's just i couldn't see myself living there um and so i detached myself from the name of the school because a lot of people when it comes to big institutions that's their identity yeah. so over and over again i've had to learn to break my identity away from names um because as great as it is and it's such a comfort zone because people are like oh you're like you're so brave you're going out of your comfort zone you're going to russia you're going to ballet i'm like that's still in my comfort zone because i know what ballet is and by being in russia under this big name i have so much security and i know that whoever i speak to is going to be like oh yeah that's cool i know that because they know the name so that's still within my comfort zone so actually leaving that was getting out of my comfort zone because suddenly i was leaving an institution that actually was probably if i hadn't gotten into such a big name i don't think my my parents would have ever really let me go if you know what i mean like yeah. if i was really going to do it i had to do it properly and now i had left that one thing that gave me that credibility they were like what um so yeah i had i had a couple months in ireland to figure my whole life out and i wasn't going to go back to university i was stubborn i was like nope i do not see myself doing that and i was 17 at the time still so i had time so my parents were like okay well finish your high school online and figure the rest out for yourself wow that's one hell of a journey you know and to go back to the topic of identity that you you just mentioned about the school identity i wanted to read one of your captions to you and kind of understand how you came to that conclusion and so you say whose life are you living yours or someone else's idea of what yours should be your potential for greatness is far too valuable to be watched on fear especially the fear of judgment from others there is not one correct way of living a life no one size fits all no better or worse path and though we all know this deep down, we continue to tell each other what and what not to do in each other's lives, as if knowing that there is in fact a single way about it all. You know, and first of all, how what was the inspiration behind this caption? And yours is a life that is definitely a life that you're trying to create for yourself. And you went through all these challenges and still you did not let any of this kind of break you away. So what was going through your head when you wrote that caption? Was that at the same time that you were starting to uh, kind of leave ballet? Um, so when I wrote that caption, thank you for reading that, um, I had just hit a wall in terms of getting into ballet companies. So here we are again. I'm like all confident. I'm like, I've you know, worked on my technique. I did the groundwork. Here we go. Like I'm going to go out there and audition for ballet companies. This is what it's about. I'm finally going to be a professional. I just kept getting rejected again, same thing. And I remember there was this one audition in particular where I just got so in my head and I held myself back so much. I felt like I had never danced before. And I remember getting into the studio and just not even be able to get on point. And it was so bad. And I would get more frustrated with myself. Um, and then I just had this whole argument in my head to the point where I just couldn't dance anymore because I was just you know, mad at myself for holding myself back and then holding myself back further. And then what I was seeing was not what I was seeing here and it just becomes this mess. And I remember the next day I had a second chance at the audition and I popped in 
they had all seen me, you know, fail so much the, the day before, suddenly I had to go in a whole new person. And that's really scary, and especially in ballet. You're literally just basically a body in tights and a leotard. Feel free to, you know, pick me apart, right? That's what you're walking in and asking for. So it was a very scary experience. It was my first proper, you know, professional company audition. And I, I pulled it together for that second day. It wasn't my best, but it taught me the power of mind. Um, and I always knew this growing up. I always knew this. And yet that was, the, you know, that one point where it finally made sense where I was like, okay, I literally yeah. just did a 180 from 24 hours ago, just because something in here changed because nothing in my body could have changed that quickly um, in terms of my technique. And this kind of continued on it into until about February. And I went to this one audition that I was so confident in because I started changing the way I was approaching these things. Whereas before I'd walk in expecting to fail, I was walking in expecting to win, but that was wrong as well because I was attached to the outcome. So when the outcome wasn't what I was expecting, and again, another rejection, just back to back, I was distraught and I was so, so unhappy. And at that point, I think it finally, like my fuse was blown short and I was like, okay, I need to, I need to stop because if I keep doing what I'm doing right now, I'm just going to keep getting the same results. And it's when I finally quieted my mind and decided it was time for a change. And this was scary. And again, it's the comfort zone, right? Because people are still saying like, oh, that's amazing. You know, you're auditioning for ballet companies. That's so brave. Same thing. And I'm like, it's not brave. It's not brave because it's what I know, you know? Yeah. Like that's still within my comfort zone. Being out of my comfort zone would be taking myself away from ballet. Yeah. Um, the people closest to me know that before, if I literally went a couple of hours without stretching, I would literally have a panic attack because I think in my head, I'm not doing enough. Yeah. I'm not doing enough to get me to where I need to get. And I have so much to work on. I've got so much I need to catch up on. That became my narrative. I literally felt like I had a ticking time bomb strapped to my back until about March last year. So it was, it was, it was going on for a while. Um, so I decided that I would take three weeks off ballet. And that was scary for me. Three weeks doesn't sound like a lot, but for me, for someone who couldn't take half a day off, it was a really, really big thing to do. And at that time, actually, I had stepped back from taking private lessons with my coach because, again, I felt I was becoming too attached to that. And also money was an issue because private lessons are very expensive. And at that point, my parents were getting a bit restless. They're like, Maya, you know, you're 18 now. You, you, neither, you either need to get a job with a ballet company or you go back to school. So again, adding to the ticking time bomb, I felt like people were watching me constantly. If I was ever in my room relaxing, I felt like I was doing something wrong and I had to be doing something to prove that I was trying. Um, and it became very toxic. So yeah, I took three weeks off and literally stayed in bed the whole time. I stayed in bed and I just lost all sense of purpose drive motivation and it just went from 100 to zero literally overnight and the only thing at that time that would get me out of bed every morning was just writing in my journal what kept me going was the fact that i always knew that there was some sort of higher power because i was like there is no way that i've been taken on this strange windy road you know all across the world and now into my bed outside of london alone in this dark room journaling completely lost with no direction um to only be led nowhere you know and i always loved biographies growing up i really i didn't ever read fiction i loved reading non-fiction um and i was always tapping into you know spirituality and things like that but i never really fully immersed myself into it but i knew it was there and it wasn't until this point where i took myself from 
I took myself away from everything that I knew that finally I found the truth. And this was a very, very, I'm sure you know, like, it's a, it's a very painful experience when you're first going through it, because of course my ego is wanting to hold on to all these things it knows, but it's like, but you're Irish Chinese and you're from Hong Kong and you had this upbringing and exactly everything I just told you, that whole story there, that's my story. But at the same time, it's not me, you know, yeah. like the, the story, it's, it's nice. It's a great one to tell, especially from where I'm standing now, but it's, it's not what I identify with anymore because that was exactly what was leading me to my downfall is the fact mm-hmm. that I identified so much with being a dancer and being a struggling artist and being the one who never got the auditions and being the one who nobody ever saw potential in. And that just became my narrative. And I remember too, feeling so lonely in London. I felt that people didn't understand me because I was too mature for my age, but then the people older, older than me just wanted to take advantage of me. So I just felt so lost and I isolated myself for a long time actually. Um, so during this time that I took myself out of ballet, there was a lot of reflection a lot a lot of kind of internal wounds coming to the surface that I hadn't even you know thought about well I couldn't because I suppressed them for so long um and it got to the point where I was speaking out loud I would be in my bathroom on my floor just completely like lost couldn't see past the next hour let alone tomorrow and just just speaking just just getting it all out there. And I don't know if I was speaking to God, but for me, I was speaking to the universe. I call it, you know, the universe source. At this point, it seems like, you know, you are facing that kind of facing the world moment where you have to like put your hope in God and just hope that everything will get better. And what kept you going after this? You know, what was the next thing? It seems like this was the the tipping point for you. What, What happened after this? So in terms of the next step, well, going through that experience, um, I literally had a spiritual awakening, you know, and that's what allowed the next step to come to me because I had learned that I spent my whole life trying to create it all. I was trying so hard to pave the path that I wanted that all I had to do in order to get what I really wanted was let go. And that was a really, really hard thing for me. And when I finally let go, that's when it all started to unfold. And of course, it didn't happen so quickly. But over time, I slowly started, you know, letting myself out to house again and doing things and revisiting ballet and just allowing myself to cruise a little bit. And I was really in tune with the law of attraction at that time. So I was setting a lot of intentions for myself in terms of what I actually wanted. Because here I was painting the image in my mind that what I wanted was to get into a ballet company. And what I wanted was to become this dancer, but at the same time, what I wanted was freedom. What I wanted was to be able to live the life I wanted to live on my terms. And actually, being in a ballet company doesn't align with that because you are stripped of your freedom. You're in, you know, you're in the same place how many hours a day, not getting paid much and stuff like that. Like at the end of the day, it really, it really didn't align with who I was. And I had to be stripped from that before I could realize all of this. And when I was setting these intentions, slowly things started to unfold. And this new opportunity came into my life in late May that I would have never said yes to had I not gone through that entire identity crisis earlier on in the year. And this is what I mean by like, things will just happen anyway, you know, and they're all meant to happen in the exact timing that they're meant to happen in. Um, And I just had to trust that. And I truly did. And when this opportunity presented itself, I was like, okay, I've got nothing to lose. Let's go. Let's do it. And within that opportunity, again, came a lot of fear and it kept bringing more and more stuff out, stuff that I thought I dealt with, had to deal with again. And this is another thing that I, I was having to learn along the way. You're never finished, you know, like 
I think that first crisis, I don't like calling it a crisis, it's very negative, but that first kind of breakthrough I had um, in terms of my identity, you know, I thought, okay, that was it. You know, I've learned it now. I get it. Let's move on. I love it. I love it. And, you know, I love the fact that you say breakthrough. You see this as a positive experience and, you know, something that kept you going and made you better in your life. And I think you're better for it now. Uh, one last question I have for you is when you're 80 years old and looking back at your life, what will make you say that you were successful? What will make you say that, yes, Maya, your life was a life well lived? My ability to maximize my time here and my potential on earth. That's, that's it. And whatever form that takes. Because before I was so fixated on it having to take a specific form and the path having to look a certain way that I was never going to be happy being so obsessed over the details. Whereas now it's much larger than that. Like what this whole thing has taught me is that as much as I, I truly love ballet and as much as I will continue to pursue it, I want to have a larger impact because the thing is when I'm dancing on stage, it doesn't, it doesn't physically impact anyone's life. Yes, it can make them feel something. And I truly believe art will change the world in so many ways. Films change the world. Ballet does change the world. It makes people feel things that they can't feel otherwise. You know, it's, it's language through movement. But at the same time, I want to be able to have a much larger impact than that. You know, I want to be able to look at something tangible and be like, I did that, you know, and I was able to make a difference to someone's life because of this. And I want to be able to look back and be like, yeah, like everything that was in your head once that you thought wasn't actually going to happen, that you thought you weren't capable of doing, that you told yourself so many times that you were not worthy of, that you were not, you know, able of. I want to look back and be like, actually, you did all that, you know, and I've done so much of that already. And there are so many things that have manifested that, you know, I think sometimes they just happen and you don't even realize that five years ago, this is all you dreamed of. And now it's happened, but it's happened so slowly that you're already looking towards the next thing. So I really want to practice measuring my days by presence as well and not just by achievement because, as I said, that's how I measured my worth a long time ago and that didn't serve a purpose. So by measuring it by how present am I, you know, for all these achievements, how present am I being for all the people around me that I love, yeah. that it's corny, but that's, that's true happiness, that's true fulfillment and success, I say. Well, Maya, thank you so much for being with me today on the show. Uh, I really, really, really appreciate you being so genuine and open about your story. We can definitely all learn from your story and your challenges. Thank you for sharing them with us. One last thing I want to ask you is if anyone from the audience wants to reach out to you, what is the best way to get in touch? Through my Instagram. So just give me a direct message on Instagram it's called Chirish Gambino. Um, just to explain that, my name is not Chirish, it's Chinese-Irish squashed together. <laughs> a lot of people call me Chris because they think it's Chris from the username. So I just want to clear that up. My name's Maya. Yeah. Okay. But thank you so much for everything. So now we get the chance to hear from you, the community and the audience member. And today we are receiving a call from Wisconsin from Elaine, who shared some of her thoughts on previous episode, as well as what she does to keep a positive mindset. Hi, Elio. This is Elaine from Wisconsin. 
I finished listening to your last episode and I wanted to call in and share with you some of the tools, strategies that I personally use to maintain a positive mindset. I found that feeding the mindset daily is very important. And one way I do this is by listening to self-development podcasts. And your podcast is one that I truly appreciate. I find myself going back and re-listening to your episodes, listening to how others have faced challenges and how they overcame those challenges. A couple other tools that I use to maintain a positive mindset are going into faith, practicing meditation twice a day, having a mentor, and giving back to others by sharing perspectives and ideas. One other thing I've discovered is the importance of not eating processed foods because they are a low energy food and can put the mind into a very low state. Last but not least, if the circumstances are right, I try to always give a simple smile to a fellow human being. You never know how that simple smile can impact a person's day and make them feel like a million bucks. This giving a smile also puts me into a positive mindset. Thank you, Alu, for giving me an opportunity to share what is helping me on my journey. All the best to everyone. And as a reminder, we will not only survive, but thrive. Well, Ellen, let me first start by thanking you for calling and sharing your thoughts with us. I really, really, really appreciate it. And I do know that people in the community will also appreciate it. To reflect on what you said about feeding the mind, I do think that, yes, it is very important to feed the mind with positivity. You know, uh, to go back to the debate about mind versus body, are we, are we a living mind with a body or are we a living body with a mind? I do think that the mind and the body are separate and the same way you treat your body, you have to treat your mind like that by taking care of it. And I love what you said at the end. We will not only survive but thrive. I think it is a good reminder that what we are, the times we are living in today are temporary and everything is transient. And I do believe that we will get through this and things will get better. Thank you so much for sharing. For anyone in the community, please give us a call by going on speakpipe, S-P-E-A-K-P-I-P-E dot com slash t-p-o-g-i as in the power of good intention i would love to hear from you so please reach out thank you and stay safe and take care of yourself bye for now